You're listening to City is Playground, a podcast by Leadership Foundations, and I'm Rick Enlow, and I'm here in Washington, D.C., and this is uh, not our usual uh, uh, stomps for, for the old uh, podcast. In fact, we probably won't get some of those great urban background sounds. We're a little more protected here, but uh, we're at the the uh, Colangelo Carpenter Innovation Center. We'll talk about that in just a minute, but good morning, Dave. Good morning, Rick. And you know, uh, we are in fact uh, in the finale of this series of podcasts we've been doing about the 40th anniversary of Leadership Foundations. And uh, it's been a great series. We, we've uh, I mean, had a chance to talk to all kinds of uh, significant people. We've talked about events. And then uh, we've actually kind of used this metaphor uh, called the Ebenezer Stone as kind of the, um, the, the, the milestone story, but maybe you can remind me, because uh, some, some, some of us don't remember, or we just think that's a nickname of some uh, friend we had in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rick, so the, uh, the idea of the Ebenezer Stone actually comes out of the Old Testament, and it was, of course, the, uh, the Israelites were out on their 40-year kind of, you know, sojourn, and God, I think, was afraid that they might forget uh, some of the wondrous things that God would do during that 40 years. So anytime God moved, you know, split the Red Sea, uh, rained down manna from heaven, mm-hmm. he would have them uh, just put kind of some stones on the on the desert. And the notion was is that, you know, you probably will forget, and so when you see that Ebenezer stone again, uh, it will remind you of God's goodness, God's grace. So that's the idea, is uh, that we've been looking at just some of these Ebenezer stones of leadership foundations and uh, trying to remind ourselves that in these 40 years, uh, God has been ever-present, uh, ever-gracious. Uh, we've gone through some Red Seas of our own. Uh, mm-hmm. There's been times where we have needed manna, and God has delivered. Uh, and we want to just be mindful of that and yeah. remember all those things. Well, I, I think it's been great. Uh, and, and also for those of us who sort of jumped into the, the sojourn uh, uh, you know, mm-hmm. later on, mm-hmm. um, you know, it really gives us a, some perspective and context uh, of the of the big story of Leadership Foundations. But now, we're here in uh, an amazing uh, facility in an amazing city, mm-hmm. and uh, we are in fact, um, you know, producing this podcast from this newly minted, what we call CCIC, the Colangelo Carpenter Innovation Center. And uh, give us a little bit of a uh, kind of a backstory, and uh, you know, sort of. Uh, uh, set it up in terms of how this kind of unfolded. Yeah. Well, one of the bits of good news here is that we, uh, you know, later on in our podcast today, are going to have a chance to talk to the guy who um, actually is really responsible for us being here, and that's Bill Milliken, mm-hmm. who will be familiar to our listeners. He is, of course, one of uh, Reed's you know, very good friends that go all the way back to the Pittsburgh days. We often tell the story that uh, these two sons of Pittsburgh, uh, one went towards the school and created communities and schools, and mm-hmm. that was Bill's great uh, you know, achievement. Uh, Reed went towards the community and created the Leadership Foundations, and so these, these two have been yoked together forever. And Bill has continued to you know, be very, very involved with the Leadership Foundations. He's a, uh, one of our board of directors. But in all of that, uh, it, was, it was Bill that uh, came up with this idea of uh, LF having an innovation center and naming it in honor of our 40 years after our first board chair, who is Jerry Colangelo, and mm-hmm. of course our founder, Reed Carpenter. So we'll get all the, the details there. But I think 
to take a half step back, Rick, um, probably importantly for leadership foundations. Um, and I've shared this story before that when I took over from Reed, uh, you know, 11 years ago, <clears throat> in many ways, what, what I was given was, um, you know, a movement, uh, a good idea, in fact, a spectacular idea, you know, mm -hmm. cities as playgrounds rather than battlegrounds. But it's really been my task, um, you know, to kind of build up an organization around it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've been, you know, trying to be very conscious of is that as you build an organization, how do you hold on to the, the movement part of it, right? The, the kind of the entrepreneurial, you know, sort of spirit. In fact, uh, you and I had a good chance to see just the, the vibrancy of that last night at right. our LFLC dinner where uh, you interviewed uh, Abhishek Gear from, you know, Delhi and Will McCall from Dallas and Chris Martin from Knoxville. And, you know, to listen to their stories and how they are loving their city into greatness was, was remarkable. So it was in that context of like, you know, how do I protect that um, but still build up this organization around it? Um, I've really been struck by a, a guy by the name of Richard McDermott, and he talks about kind of three things that, uh, you know, every organization needs in order to keep the, the movement alive. Mm -hmm. um, and the first is he talks about you have to have a domain of knowledge um, that is kind of unique to you, um, that, you know, somehow kind of sets you apart. Um, so I've been really trying to think about that. And of course, you know, the city is playground, um, you know, I think is, is one great example of that. Um, because I think it captures uh, the idea that, that for LF, um, God really inhabits cities. You know, it's not like you show up uh, and bring God to the city. Right. Um, you actually walk into cities, and again, last night was a great example, uh, where God is already abiding. Um, mm -hmm. And a leadership foundation kind of, you know, responds to that. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing that this domain of knowledge, you know, kind of captured for us with the city's playground is that it's really historical, right? It's something that goes all the way back to Sam Shoemaker, you know, captures what Reed thought and all these others. And so to be able to build on that and, uh, and look at that. And then, you know, the third for us was just the practical part of it, uh, that the city uh, as playground kind of idea uh, and how that advances as we kind of uh, operationalize the, the wheel of change. Uh, I mean, that, that kind of sets us apart. And so to be able to hold on to that, um, get other leadership foundations, you know, wrapped around that, uh, you know, has just been wonderful. So that's been the first thing we've done. Yeah, and I think it's important to mention because uh, there is a chance that someone uh, beyond our own immediate family could listen to the podcast. Uh, you never know with those things. And mm -hmm. <laughs> it is important to realize that, you know, there is a book that you wrote and City has played around the 50 year history of leadership foundations. And that I think is the sort of content vehicle for that history. And it's, mm -hmm. it's good for, uh, uh everybody to, you know, have a, a chance to, uh, to, to understand that. In fact, uh, last week I introduced that to someone and they ordered it off Amazon and they were, they were uh, commenting on Sunday that they're really enjoying understanding that. So sometimes when when there is a, you know, a, a domain of knowledge, but it's only spoken word, I think that one of the great yeah. achievements is to is to put it down on paper yeah. so that it has, you know, it's it's got a, a, a really, you know, yeah. uh, there's a repository of this information so people can go back and look at it. And I thought last night, as you mentioned, it was such a great gathering of so many people that were in the book but we all have to kind of admit 
um, all of us are on the clock too. So someday, <laughs> right. I'm thankful that you know my grandkids can can read this. Yeah. And even though they might not run into the actual individuals, you know, they understand, like you said, they understand the the mission, yep. you know, and also the movement. Yeah. So yeah. Well, you know, and just uh, we just finished a board training initiative here at the Colangelo Carpenter Center this week, and. It was just a spectacular two days. I mean, 15 local leadership foundations and partners and um, making use of this space. But at the beginning of the week, of course, we had everyone introduce each other. And it was, I mean, I just thrilling to listen to, you know, the group from Catalyst uh, in Delhi stand mm-hmm. up. And as they introduced themselves, their mission was, of course, to make Delhi a you know, playground rather than a battleground. And yeah. Then all of a sudden, the next character, you know, stands up, and he this time is from Jackson, Mississippi, and you know his vision is to see Jackson become a playground rather than a battleground, mm-hmm. and it's just like this sort of adhesive, you know, yeah. that has brought us all together in radically different places from yeah. radically different political realities and religious realities, um, but we've been able to bond around that. So that that first that domain of knowledge has been huge. You know, the second though is that that you know, domain of knowledge has to kind of be embodied, right? Mm-hmm. It, it has to kind of be in people. So we, uh, you know, have created, I think, in LF, uh, you know, a community of people, and that was McDermott's second idea, um, you know, is where does this domain of knowledge land? And working very hard on things like, um, you know, everything we do in leadership foundations, we're trying to do as a team. So mm-hmm. we've got the network, you know, impact uh, member services, and they're a team, and the communication team, uh, you know, the administration team, the fundraising team are all, I think, again, key uh, to this to this moving forward. Um, you know, the second that has really been great for uh, us as a community of people is the fact that every week the Leadership Foundation Network prays uh, for each other mm-hmm. um, on Fridays uh, from 9 to 9.30, but then every day during the week for whatever local Leadership Foundation kind of comes up on your computer screen. And just to, you know, know that, you know, you'll, you'll have this opportunity, you know, at least for one brief moment uh, to be thinking about, you know, that Leadership Foundation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in Bloemfontein and what they're doing and, and praying for that. And then the, the third piece that has kind of, you know, I think struck a chord is that ultimately, um, you know, the community of people become trustworthy. And it's, it's hard to overstate that, Rick, I think, when you think about a movement uh, and trying to kind of continue to keep, you know, moving forward, um, how much we just need to be able to, you know, trust each other, mm-hmm. that we're going to get these things done, that we're going to, you know, stay, you know, kind of the course. So, so that's the second piece of this, I think, this whole idea um, of the movement. And as we celebrate these 40 years and we're remembering these great things, you know, the, the backdrop to this is it's around this domain of knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, it's around this community of people. And then the third thing that, uh, that McDermott talks about is what he calls a shared practice. You know, that, again, you know, somewhere in the midst of the organization, you know, what is the one or two or three things that everybody is doing? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, I pause here for a minute because when I look at, you know, groups like the Jesuits who have had a huge influence on me or you think about Young Life, you know, you can always find at some point, here are the things that every one of them are doing. So mm-hmm. like in the case of the Jesuits, you know, you take the spiritual exercises twice. And there's something about, you know, a common practice that, um, you know, begins to bind you, you know, together. 
and so we've been working hard on that as well. And you know, one of the things that we've done is, is in fact, the primary thing is the uh, uh, stages of impact. You know, the wheel of change, the three functions that we talk all about. Mm -hmm. um, that every leadership foundation, you know, everywhere in the world is trying to figure out. Okay, in my city, what does it mean to engage leaders of good faith and goodwill? You know, what does it mean to build the capacity of others, and what does it mean to develop joint initiatives? And, you know, when you just do that, you know, day after day after day, um, you know, you begin to get a language, you know, you begin to get a common set of experiences so that, again, even this week, when people show up, you know, there's a kind of almost tacit understanding of each other. It's like, you know, I know what you're up to yeah. in Delhi. So that's, yeah. that's been great. Well, you know, this reminds me, uh, again, I always like to um, steer people toward previous podcasts in case they missed it but you know when you talk about the idea of uh you know having a a domain of knowledge and then a community and then a practice i mean uh you got a little jesus deal going there because you know incarnation is the you know mm -hmm. the you know living out in in real time of the, that domain of knowledge and then the practices that were you know as jesus says you know do this often in remembrance and all and we've talked about eucharistic leadership right and uh, right. in fact it was really interesting i i'd almost forgotten you know that <laughs> those podcasts because you know we moved on to the 40 years mm -hmm. but the other day uh i introduced someone to the podcast and they sent me an email saying i'm i'm just listening to the eucharistic leadership podcast and you know i'm loving it mm -hmm. and uh and that was uh, somebody that we met recently, and yeah. so I thought that was pretty cool that that this um, you know this this kind of at least even this content can can continue to reinforce what you're talking about. Yeah, and I you know I really think the beauty of what we just are describing um, is it has taken you know I think exactly what you said uh, you know who and what Jesus is, and really begin to just bake it you know into mm -hmm. us, and and I think. I'm all for, you know, that moment, you know, where you feel like you encounter the Holy of Holies and you get transcended, you know, into places that are divine and miraculous. But I'm pretty certain, you know, and the more I read the Gospels and the more I watch Jesus just walking through it, it has a lot more to do with this, okay, what do we know, you know, what's, mm -hmm. the, what's that domain of knowledge and let's, let's chew on it, let's meditate on it, let's talk about it. You know, who, who are my people? Mm -hmm. you know, I want to look around and make sure I'm with people. And then, you know, what are the two or three things that I can just kind of do? Yeah. And, and do it better and better and better. And while it, you know, I think becomes, you know, less romantic, maybe less heroic, um, I think it's probably closer, is my sense at least, Rick, to the spirit of Jesus in terms of just, you know, let's get up. Let's get to work. Mm -hmm. Let's go to bed, be thankful, and then start another day. So. Well, and certainly when uh, something that is just uh, an idea becomes a location like where we're at right now, mm -hmm. you know, just this idea that there could be an innovation center mm -hmm. and it could be dedicated to, you know, the first board chair and also, you know, uh, the founder. And, we, and and then it could be a place that uh, um, practices uh, that are working in particular context can be scaled That's right? exactly right then I think uh, you know that 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 itself is just sort of this this amazing concept but then when you actually uh, you know see a group of people uh, sit in that space like yeah. you said and you have these these uh, you know all these representatives and in, in learning how to 
you know have a better expression of what they're doing in their particular yeah. cities that's 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 pretty awesome yeah it really it really is and and i think for leadership foundations i mean i was telling a couple of people last night you know they were just so wowed by the colangelo carpenter innovation center and, i mean here we are sitting in this room it's been newly renovated you know we've got all kinds of technology and you know people's minds and hearts probably just run to to places and it's like you know, I salute the enthusiasm, but I want to remind them, you know, that, you know, it's really because of these building blocks, you know, that we've put in place mm -hmm. that I think allows something like the CCIC to stand on a really firm foundation. Um, you know, five years ago, if uh, Bill Milliken had come to me and said, hey, you know, what about an innovation center? It'd be like, you know, get behind me, Satan, <laughs> because we just weren't ready. Yeah. You know, we weren't mature enough. But this last year, uh, when he came, it was like, you know what, we're ready to go because yeah. because we do have this domain of knowledge. We we know what we believe and think. We do have a group of people that has you know rallied together, and and we've got some practices. Yeah, you know. Well, and the thing is that I'm from a smaller city, and a lot of the the uh, you know LF local leadership foundations are from you know really major and amazing cities mm -hmm. but then this place in washington dc it's a little bit of the city of the cities it really is i mm -hmm. mean it's like a very unique gathering and so uh, to have a presence here i think is is profound and appropriate you know so yeah and it's you know it's been something that we have um you know i guess now better part of 15 years so we got our first you know kind of federal grant I think it was back in the early 2000s, and we even talked a bit about this on the podcast mm -hmm. in terms of our dance with the with the government. But began to realize that if we were going to be serious players, you know, in that that space, we had to you know be here a lot. And I remember many years where there'd be like five or six of us that would all fly in and say, "Well, which hotel are you staying in, and <laughs> where do you want to meet?" Oh, there's a coffee shop down at the corner, and just you yeah. know, it was yeah. kind of like a comedy of errors. So now to actually have an address. Mm -hmm. Right. To be able to kind of, you know, see, you know, as you come up to the door, as you and I did this morning, that, you know, there's the Colangelo Carpenter Innovation Center signage. Yeah. Know, to be able to, you know, this place, sit in, plug in your computer and, and know it's yours. In fact, one of the really, really enjoyable things about this board training initiative is we have these local leadership foundations and, you know, they're sitting in the space and it would almost be like we'd take a break and then one of them would come up and go. So, uh can I actually come here on my own? <laughs> it's like, uh-huh, you can. So, well, who, who, how do I do that? And it's like, well, you know, this is what it means to be a part of this network is yeah. that, yes, the center is yours. Uh, it is in service of helping your local leadership foundation try to figure out how to be innovative uh, around some of the things that you're, you know, working through in your particular city. And I think that probably happened four times. And it was just like, yes, this, mm -hmm. is, this is yours. Yeah, well, so. and I, I mean, I think of... Uh, even, you know, the Apostle Paul, who went from city to city, mm -hmm. but uh, he didn't uh, skip Athens. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, I mean, right. you know, he, he, yeah. uh, he had a, uh, a presence there and, you know, and, and a seat at the table. So I think this is really great. Well, I look forward to uh, your uh, conversation with Bill, and uh, we'll kind of once again double back on some things, but then uh, kind of hear uh, his excitement because uh, he, he did describe this before. Uh, yep. Yep. I think when we do talk to Bill, I mean, it's it's going to be just one of those moments of being able to sit back and listen to somebody who certainly is a is an urban legend, uh, 
uh, but he continues, you know, to do things like the Colangelo Carpenter Innovation Center sort of in his spare time, and it's really <laughs> remarkable. So. Yeah, it is. All right. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll uh, get, uh, I'll vacate my chair, and we'll get Bill here, and, uh, and we'll have a conversation. Wonderful. Well, Bill, can you believe it? We are sitting in the Colangelo Carpenter Innovation Center, and I just uh, was thinking, what, a year ago, um, we were in a variety of different meetings trying to kind of figure this out and what this was going to be about. And I think there were even moments um, where I remember one time in New York, we were together and we were running around as we usually do. And I think both of us were pretty tired. And I think you looked at me and said, Dave, it's going to be all worth it when we go back to the uh, Colangelo Carpenter Innovation Center and see it full of people from around the world uh, thinking about, you know, how to make cities more like playgrounds and battlegrounds. And, of course, you and I had the chance to experience that over the last two days. So one of the things we wanted to do here on the podcast is kind of get the behind story of how did we get to this wonderful place today. And as I've told people, it all started with you and a phone call uh, you gave me, I think it was last August in 2017. So can you... Uh, Take us back there and share a little bit about how this all came to be. Well, the roots of it go back to Reed and I getting together a few years before that mm. to put together a little organization just temporarily to s see what we had learned over our each 40 years or 80 years of mm -hmm. knowledge to uh, give back what we've learned and see how we can do collective impact from what we learned. And um, so w I'd committed three years to it. Uh, and the name of that organization was? Uh, it was LeaderCom. Okay. And it was a combination of leadership foundations and communities and schools, which I had come out of, uh, but had been Reed and I working together for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And so, but the idea was that this would become an innovation center that we tie into possibly a university or, or some other group that mm -hmm. would want this. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I know that, that has been important is that LeaderCom was really built around three R's uh, and that this was a part of your and Reed's sense of, you know, how change actually happens in communities and cities. Can you say a bit about those three R's and the, their importance to you? Well, the importance is I think you have to line these three R's up to have really more than just charity change, but to move from charity to change. Mm. Uh, I mean, the first, and we'll say this till we pass out, uh, <laughs> that it's relationships that change people, not programs, that everything starts on trust and relationship and mm. being, uh, not uh, Facebook, but in your Facebook, when mm. we're in people's lives. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, and transformation only happens when love's there uh, mm -hmm. and love goes where people are. The second is that we have all these fragmented programs out there that everybody wants to make a difference, but they're scattered all over the place, and therefore there's duplication and waste of resources and time that needs to be used in a more integrated way. And so some time back, uh, got the concept that we needed uh, a relational router to go along with the high-tech router. Yeah. That somebody needed to integrate all the resources so that in the case of kids, they aren't running all over town needing a PhD in systems to get <laughs> help, but that yeah. we bring the help to where they are. In a, and so that router is the second R. 
And the third, ultimately, long-term change isn't going to happen until we change how we give away our resources mm. and reward people to work together rather than in their silos. Mm -hmm. uh, the illustration I like to use, since I'm a big Pittsburgh guy, onions <laughs> would understand. Uh, steal us, go. Anyhow, um, I was given a talk, actually, for leadership foundations uh, up on top of Mount Princeton, um, Mount um, Washington, Washington, yeah. um, a number of years back, and I pointed out that they were looking over two rivers that had merged into a third river, and if those three rivers hadn't come together, there wouldn't have been the confluence of power mm. to create this great industrial city. Well, what we do is we have these silos all streams flowing separately yeah we've been working on how what happens when you reward people to to bring their resources together confluence of that power can transform a community yeah that's great that's great so you uh you and reed did that for you know with the better part of three years and i think it was last year in 2017 that three years was coming to an end and Actually, to be honest, it was three and a half years. <laughs> I, I'm slow. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. And so at that point, uh, again, take us into the story a bit. You begin to sort of think through and discern and pray, you know, where um, and what might happen to LeaderCom. And um, give us that part of the story, because I know that's when I think I got the phone call at some point. Yeah, we'd been going through a process because, uh, one, it, it took longer um, at one level because you, you never can plan these things. It was a startup. We had our mm -hmm. angel investors and people that got it off the ground. But then all of a sudden it started really growing. Uh, the ideas of in a number of communities of us getting people to sit at a table, a common table, and to work together. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had some sessions, particularly Reed and I and, and Grady and Neil and some others, uh, just to think, okay, where does this best fit? And then, uh, make a long story shorter, I woke up in the middle of one night and said, hold it, uh, this is crazy. This is the 40th anniversary of mm -hmm. Leadership Foundations. They're growing, and had gone through a, a, a bridge span to get on the right track. Mm -hmm. And what a perfect place uh, to do a heart transplant, to take what we've learned out here b of the combination of these two movements of communities and schools and leadership foundation, mm -hmm. put it on the ground in a few communities. And so what a perfect place, if they want it, mm -hmm. uh, to put it right there. It was right in front of our eyes and we hadn't seen it. Yeah. Well, I, I've uh, told our listeners before, Bill, that um, I've gotten a few phone calls from you and I remember that mm -hmm. <laughs> when you say to me, uh, Dave, are you sitting down? I know now something, you know, quite significant is coming. So I remember that phone call distinctly and you asking me um, whether or not I would be open to it. And uh, wow, what, what a moment that was and what has happened for leadership foundations. The other thing I think that was also at play in you, and I know you're uh, kind of humble enough that you wouldn't mention this, but you were also thinking about what CIS had done around innovation. And again, to let our listeners know that uh, they had had a big celebration to honor you and Neil and others and created the Millican uh, Innovation Center. And I think part of at least your thinking was, here's CIS and LF, <coughs> you know, that both came out of Pittsburgh. 
one was committed to the school, um, one was committed to the community, um, could this come full circle and now have both have an innovation center 15 minutes apart? And what kind of possibilities might that hold for future uh, you know, people going forward? So maybe say a bit about that as well, because I know that's contributed to the, your thinking. Yeah, that had happened some months before. It was a mm -hmm. surprise. I had been pushing our National Communities and Schools Board that we've gotten big, but we have a responsibility to reach more, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the way we've done it before. You've got to constantly be reinventing yourself. You've got to mm -hmm. be figuring ways to get this out to a much broader uh, number of folks. Uh, letting the main CIS work, but to have an innovation lab, because what often happens is you, be you begin to turn inward and hold on to what That's you exactly have rather right. than yeah. figuring a way uh, to put it out there. So I'd been pushing that. I didn't know that uh, my board chair and others were going to surprise by actually announcing it at our 40th mm -hmm. uh, to where we would now have this innovation lab. And then that, so some months later, that was part, you wake up in the night and say, well, wow, what we're 15 minutes apart. Leadercom's going to become the Colangelo Carpenter Center. We're 15, and we've both been building these integrated systems, mm -hmm. one inside the schools and, and one outside, uh, for the mm -hmm. most part. Mm -hmm. So as uh, co-founder Neil Shorthouse said, this is perfect. You know, we, we're integrating services around kids from eight to four or five leadership foundations is out in the communities doing housing the the time, yeah. for the kids from four till midnight. And so what a tremendous thing if we could pick some places around the country where yeah. there is both organizations to show collective impact of implementing the three R's, yep. um, both in the schools, but f from daybreak to, yeah. to dusk. Yeah. You know, and I, I think I love your comment, um, and I think this really does bind uh, CIS and LF together in some ways, is that the end game for both organizations is not more organizational growth, right, but this outcome of, in the case of CIS, just kids not dropping out, uh, you know, giving, being given a chance to develop and mature, and in LF's case, uh, to get other communities, other individuals, other organizations out there playing in that spiritual and social renewal space. And if, by the way, our two organizations grow, wonderful, but that's not, that's not the end game. And I, I've really liked the way you have articulated mm -hmm. that, Bill, so that's, that's been great. Well, when you think, again, you're, you know, you're going to say this is all of us and of course we all have played a part and I'm very thankful for all those that did play a part but we wouldn't be here today uh, if it wasn't for you and and kind of having that initial sense that this would make sense uh, for LF to have an innovation center presence in Washington DC when you look back over your shoulder now this last year what would you say are two or three of the highlights uh, in this kind of path of helping the CCIC come to come to life? Well, I mean, this was a big undertaking. First of all, we had a small, very, very committed board of Leadercom that took risks, put their mm -hmm. lives and their brains and their money on the table about this idea um, so that we weren't interrupting any other organizations. We were taking the chance. We would have time to experiment to mm -hmm. see uh, if we could find uh, 
a commonality in this space mm-hmm. of a collective impact. Mm-hmm. And to see first the response of our board, not without questions, right. the leader comm board, but being willing to listen and talk and go through the due diligence and all this, to come out unanimous uh, with people, not one person walking away bitter, Mm -hmm. oh, I didn't get my way, or this was a dumb move, or whatever, but just really felt God's presence that uh, it was supposed to be. And then to go to the larger Board of Leadership Foundations, and I think you can give more of a perspective on Mm-hmm. on that, but being on the board and having the privilege to serve in leadership foundation boards, I knew that there was already so much going on. Yeah. And, just maybe yeah. and so maybe you could give your, because that was a, you, everything had to hit just right to yeah. do this. The final thing, by the way, our board made uh, a commitment, our leadership, uh, our leadercom board made a commitment to put money in, uh, everybody putting their share in mm-hmm. so that we could have a year of transition mm-hmm. beyond our three and a half t- t- uh, so that there could be this handoff. Or, yeah. Um, well, just as a, you know, as a kind of a comment about what you just said, what was also remarkable, because I was at that LeaderCom board meeting and, mm-hmm. you know, for our listeners there, we had a kind of a Thursday night presentation and then there was the LeaderCom board meeting the next day and so I presented Thursday night, uh, came to the to the building where you all were having your, your board meeting and was supposed to arrive at whatever the time was. And when I got to the door and knocked with Jack Fortin, the LF board, ma- uh, board chair, uh, Jonathan came out and said, ah, we're not, we're not ready for you yet. And of course, that brought me back to my days in junior high school. It's <laughs> like, uh-oh, something, <laughs> something's wrong. And so we sat down and waited a few more minutes, and finally you all asked us in. And I remember David Ward saying, mm-hmm. uh, I want to let you know that it was a unanimous decision. And then that little added, with enthusiasm. Um, and that was just lovely. So I think on the, you know, the uh, LF side, you know, it was a month later, Bill, that you and I brought that to the, to the LF board. And, uh, you know, went through the same kind of rigorous process. And I remember when they went to vote, it was unanimous. Um, and then I think it was Jack Fortin who didn't want to be outdone by David Ward and Leadercom. And he said, and with enthusiasm. <laughs> so, but I think another remarkable thing, Bill, is that every Leadercom board member, there were, I think, seven of them, um, roughly, this this demonstrates how deeply they were committed is that you and I sat down with each one of them and three of them have come on to the LF board. Uh, I think the other two or three became trustees of the Colangelo Carpenter Innovation Center. Um, so in fact, every LeaderCom, LeaderCom board member is still deeply involved and I think that just, you know, says, says it all mm-hmm. in some ways in terms of the, the spirit of this. So... And then, you know, I think the other thing, too, that was, was at least for me really encouraging was that um, a- after that decision had been made, uh, we, of course, put a transition team together. And it was that team that met, uh, you know, essentially every week you know, up through, I think, the, you know, soft launch of the center in July to kind of get this all done. So that was just, again, a remarkable demonstration of commitment and uh, passion for, for what is taking place. So. And God uh, blessed us with two young, younger than us. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> Way younger than me. <laughs> um, but to see Jonathan grow into 
being the chief operating to see him just step up to it and then forgot to bring Grady, Grady. back into my life I'd known him before and yeah. for him with his incredible mind and strategic way of thinking I mean God seemed to provide this incredible team to help with the transition yeah, yeah I, absolutely well as we kind of get close to ending our conversation as you sit here and here again just to give our listeners a little bit of a sense uh, we will in a couple hours be going into our trustee and senior innovation fellow meeting it will be the first of its kind and we will begin to get to know each other and dream and think and then the next day this coming Thursday we will have our first innovation agenda and this is something that we plan to do every year at the Colangelo Carpenter Innovation Centers where we will uh, take on a kind of an idea so maybe it's you know the faith community uh, interfacing with police departments or you know maybe it is uh, looking at something like uh, you know affordable housing whatever it might be and to get uh, the best minds and hearts in here um, trying to think about you know what might a solution and answer be to kind of take on some of these these issues so we're gonna have our first chance to do that here uh, tomorrow but with all of that going on Bill and again you kind of being the kind of the still point in the middle of all of this when you sit back and dream about uh, the innovation center um, and what it you know can contribute to cities becoming playgrounds instead of battlegrounds what are some of the things that kind of rise up in you that you hope uh, will will be at play here well one is that we'll end up with some demonstrations around the country of what happens when you be take best practices and technology is going to allow us to mm -hmm. do that mm -hmm. in the past uh, you, somebody may have a breakthrough in Minneapolis and you hear about it uh, five years later in in, right. in Dallas. Right. Uh, now it's not only best <coughs> practices there, but this center could attract and build a coalition of others who are of like mind and spirit who have been out in the trenches, mm. uh, being led to do housing economic development, where we can learn something that's happened in one place. We don't need to reinvent the wheel and waste many, much so much money. I think the combination of the height touch and the high tech is coming together here at this center mm -hmm. where you could bring in by remote uh, you know a team from uh, Knoxville that has come up with an incredible um, homeless shelter yeah well what have we learned in other parts of the country about that that can improve it yeah. help it the other was just a simple little thing uh, that bugged me for years it's not simple but the idea was simple that I was sitting out um, uh, waiting for a meeting at, at Kellogg uh, after actually a leadership uh, foundation event mm. and I was sitting there and I uh, I went in and met with the person and said you know if you came up with a new cereal tomorrow that added five years to somebody's life but you didn't have a delivery system, only the people in Minneapolis would benefit. Mm. And so when you come up a f for a for-profit uh, widget <laughs> or idea, you have a distribution system. Not only do you have a distribution system, you have a m the financial motivation to sell yeah, more and more. Right, right. Well, between communities and schools and Leadership Foundation, we have over 200 communities where we have product delivery, where we can speed up the process of putting together the various pieces that mm -hmm. will turn a community 
into a playground, but you got to have all the pieces to create the right. playground. That's right. And yeah. we want the best pieces, not just stuff yep. that doesn't work. Yep. So yep. that's exciting challenge. And, and I, so far, I mean, we are unbelievable, uh, the trust trustees that we've attracted yep. uh, with their innovations. Senior can, fellows, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you come up with an innovation, it's no good if you don't have a distribution system. So yeah. hey, in this nice shiny <laughs> thing you've got. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. In fact, you'll you'll love this, and I mentioned this I think earlier, but mm-hmm. you know, so the very first event uh, here at the Colangelo Carpenter Innovation Center has been the board training initiative uh, over the last two days, and in some ways, it's a great example of an innovation. Uh, we we did it before we had the center, but you know, we wanted to kind of bring it. And, uh, you know, again, I remember you just saying, you know, I, my heart will be satisfied if I see that room full, you know, of, of people. And we had exactly that. We had 15 different local leadership foundations and partners uh, sitting in this room, uh, you know, getting trained in how do you build a, a strong board. Um, a lot of this stuff was innovative ideas. And, and the beauty of it, Bill, is you, you know, witnessed, uh, but I had a chance to sit in the whole thing. When you talk about diversity in terms of geography, I mean, we had people here from Delhi, India, to Los Angeles, to you know Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, the gender diversity, the ethnic diversity, the theological diversity. I mean, it was mm. just it was just stunning, and I think this will will warm your heart. And during some of the breaks, I had at least four local leadership foundations kind of come up and say, uh, "So, so is this ours?" Mm. And I said, it absolutely is yours. So, like, when we come to Washington, D.C., we can, like, come by here and even have a meeting and maybe even connect with some people. And it's like, yes. I mean, it's this This has been built, you know. Uh, this has been created with you in mind so that you can get crisper and sharper and more effective in terms of the kind of work you're doing in, in cities around the world. And so it was just a, just a touching moment for me to have it already, you know, translating itself uh, into the people who we want to ultimately help with this place. So, yeah, and, and I'm so glad you touched on that and, and made me aware of that's what was envisioned for down the road. <laughs> and here, <laughs> right. Sorry only Mecca, you couldn't have a more diverse. I mean, it was it's what America's supposed to be. And if if we aren't living it out, we can't give it away. People keep wanting to give away what they don't have. If we aren't community, if we aren't diverse, if we aren't the face of the communities. That's that we right. Were part of we can't expect others to become community. Yeah, and I, I almost wonder. I mean, this is probably getting out over my skis too far, but the fact that we uh, opened the center with that kind of diversity on exactly the same day that at least this country was, you know, being, you know, in many ways further divided up over, you know, who should be here in Washington D.C. I mean. You know, I think that would be one of my dreams, is that the Millican Center and the Colangelo Carpenter Innovation Center, because of the way we work together, as you just said, will be a place where it's like we're demonstrating that we can actually get things done together better. Well, and the folks that listen to this know in their guts, whatever persuasion, background, whatever it is, I'd say the two biggest hungers out there, and I, as you do, travel quite a bit, mm-hmm is an incredible sense of loneliness, of isolation. Does anybody care I exist? So the whole relational model is so powerful because people want somebody to care they exist. Yeah. And they get angry and hurt. 
Yeah. And if they don't feel like they have a future, they're going to do one of two things. So you hear somebody yesterday say the biggest issue where I am that's killing me is the opiates. Yeah. Someplace else, it's the violence. Yeah. So you're either going to hurt yourself or hurt somebody else if people mm. don't have hope. And leadership foundations, communities, and schools working together mm-hmm. in these communities can bring hope because we are about relationship. The other big hunger is about community. We need each other. Yeah. Uh, and no one person or any one can do it. So collectively, we have a chance in the midst of the darkness and pain out there to yep. uh, be demonstrations of uh, the kingdom here on earth. Yeah. Well, Bill, thank you for you know this time on the uh, podcast. But I think again to all of our listeners. Um, you know, you don't ever want to just say it was because of one person. Um, so I, w- I will, you know, protect myself from creating that heresy. But without your vision, I think without your drive, without your commitment to the Leadership Foundations and to me personally, uh, we would not be here today. So thank you, good sir. Thank you. All Praise right. me. Okay. <laughs> wow, there it was. Huh? I mean, like, <laughs> that Always. was source document right there. You know, you know, I, and sometimes in the Bible it says the oldest and most reliable manuscripts do not contain this passage. Well, that, <laughs> that, that does not apply here after listening to Bill. That was great. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, um, you know, it caused me to uh, sort of think about just even this word innovation. Such a great word, actually. When people were asking me, where, hey, where are you headed? I, I said, well, I'm going to this innovation center. And everybody was like, what that's you know i want to go i mean it's just it's kind of a really inviting yeah. word everybody loves the idea of innovating yeah. so um you know how does that fit in uh, you know sustaining a movement like uh, leadership foundations yeah it's great rick well i mean again i think as we talked about at the beginning of this podcast and this idea of of a movement has these kind of three pieces you know the kind of domain of knowledge the community of people and a you know a practice a common mm-hmm. practice I think for a movement to continue in that, you know, way to sustain itself, uh, you have to constantly be innovating, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think the trick in innovation is that it is uh, what I would describe <coughs> as a, a well-ordered commitment uh, to those three things that we just talked about. Um, you know, there's certainly, and I think we've all seen it, a lot of quote-unquote innovative places, and you walk in and what it feels like uh, is actually kind of a commitment to chaos. Um, yeah. Throwing things up on the wall, seeing if it sticks. And well, I think there is an element of that. Um, I think beneath it uh, is the notion of, look, uh, we are innovating around these three things. Um, so we, we know what we believe. Now, what might, you know, these um, innovations move us to believe even more deeply? Uh, we know who our people are. But are there some ways that we can innovate to expand that community? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we know our common practices, but uh, but again, are there some uh, maybe places or ways that we can do it better? You know, uh, more efficient. So that I think sits at the at the heart uh, of this uh, idea of the innovation center. And you know, uh, I've talked to people about you know why you know why is this important you know one of the things I talk about is just the theological import of it um, I think the great innovator is, is God God's self mm-hmm. um, and you know if we are being made you know into the image of God you know uh, the magio Dei um, well then by definition right you're you're going to become an innovator All right um, 
So I think that's been, you know, a part of, of this big idea. Um, we also talk about <coughs> the fact that it's, you know, there's a cultural element to it. Um, you know, we're trying to increase, I think, a way of, uh, you know, knowing that, you know, w- we haven't arrived yet. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's important in innovation. Um, sometimes I think innovation gets a, a sort of a bad rap uh, in that, um, well, they think they're innovative as if above and beyond. But I think the truth is that if you do innovation, it's, be, it's an act of humility. Um, mm-hmm. You haven't arrived yet, right? I right. Mean, the wheel of change, as good and as important as it is, and the stages of impact online tool, as sharp and as crisp as it is, don't think that you've arrived yet. And so when we continue to try to innovate on it, um, I think it's a deep act of humility. And, mm-hmm. and so that's that's been important to me. And then the last, you know, is... Uh, is this uh, this pastoral idea um and i think uh, this is always important you know we've taken a long time uh, to get the leadership foundation to this place mm-hmm. where you know we again know what we believe we have this community of people and it's kind of easy to sort of hang on to it i think a bit tightly and so there's a pastoral uh, aspect of innovation rick where i think and i've always said this to people you know change even if it's good is always initially experienced as loss and so where do you where do you kind of bring that you know to a place mm-hmm. where you can acknowledge hey, everyone you know there's a change coming yeah, um, yeah. and we're going to kind of hold each other's hands in that process we're going to um, you know stay in it together because yeah we will probably uh, if, if the wheel of change if it goes from three functions to four functions right oh I mean, no heaven forbid <laughs> But I, but I think because you've committed yourself to that, you know, it's like, well, why, you know, did that happen? And, you know, is that right? And so I think there's a pastoral element to this as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that, that what you're saying is, is so important because sometimes innovation gets defined as, um, you know, something never before heard of. Like, you know, I'm innovating. It's brand new. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's unique. It's and, and I think that it's much uh, more, you know, it, it's actually more accurately um placed inside you know like you said a, a structure and saying how can this be more profound how can this be better you know how can we That's improve right. on what we're doing and now now that we have this actual location um so interesting to me that um when we talk about you know uh, leadership foundations in a local city uh, you know collaborating improving you know uh, expanding the capacity of others uh, you know all this and then suddenly now we have uh, a place where that can happen at a different level, all those same <coughs> things. Mm-hmm. And so what, what, what uh, kind of significance do you see for having um, this particular space in terms of the larger uh, picture? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that was one of the things that, you know, early on when, again, we heard so wonderfully from Bill, he approached me and we talked about this thing called LeaderCom becoming the Colangelo Carpenter Innovation Center. One of the questions that I had to <coughs> wrestle with, and of course the LF Board of Directors and local leadership foundation presidents and the senior associates would surely ask me is like, well, why? What, what's the value add of this? So we, uh, we came up with a few things. And the first was that I think being here in Washington, D.C. Um, with the center, um, it gives us a kind of global platform. Um, mm. I think we've always had, of course, a global you know, kind of reach but it's like where where do you actually show up and 
see that in kind of all of its, you know, I think kind of glory. So that's one of the things that mm. is quite exciting um, when, when Washington, D.C., you know, um, in the midst of all of its craziness these days and, you know, probably, you know, I think a, a negative picture for a lot of people. I, I think it would be unfair, though, to say that it, it's not a city that really, you know, sits in the center of, of, of the globe. And so to, right. to be here is great. Um, the second piece of it is that, you know, we have become increasingly what I would describe as a data-friendly organization. Um, you know, the SOI tool allows us now to roll data up and uh, aggregate, you know, all of the impacts that we're having around the world. Well, that data has to sit somewhere and I think begin to get analyzed, right, to look for trends and uh, things like that. Mm -hmm. So that's the second piece of the center, uh, is it's going to be uh, sitting with that data uh, and helping us figure out, um, you know, through the innovation agenda, for example, uh, what what issues should we tackle? Um, right. Because it looks like all leadership foundations are doing this. Um, so that's the second. The third uh, that I've already mentioned, but again, it's just this presence in Washington, D.C. that you now can fly in here as a local leadership foundation and you actually have an address to kind of go to and to walk into and to sit down at uh, these wonderful desks, make use of the, um, the technology center. I mean, we'll just be great. Um, the fourth that we've talked a lot about is that you know, when we thought about the center, you know, early on and having a center here in Washington, D.C., there was some pushback in that, well, who doesn't have a center in Washington, D.C.? Mm -hmm. um, and are you going to just be another center? So one of the things we realized is that what kind of gives us a little bit of a niche is that, um, of course, our domain of knowledge and all that, but the real uh, I think important piece is that we're actually here for the faith community. Um, you know, we want the center to be thinking about the church, you know, kind of writ large, uh, as well as other faith communities, and how are they uh, playing, you know, a part uh, in the spiritual and social renewal of cities. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think there's a center, you know, here in Washington, D.C. that is, you know, kind of devoted and, and committed to that. Um, and then the, the final one, of course, and this is just kind of the meat and potatoes of leadership foundations, but is really trying to continue to make sure that this center, you know, is committed to the idea that ultimately what will heal a community is relationships. Mm -hmm. And so when you show up here, um, you know, yes, we'll have good data, you know, yes, we'll have access to this technology and a whole host of other things, but only in service to how does this make you more capable of a relationship with others? Yeah, well, that's amazing. I mean, that, you know, what's interesting to me is, you know, when you're talking about those things, you know, presence and, uh, you know, faith communities and, and you, you know, really this is a capacity building, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. endeavor, you know, and for all leadership foundations, I, I was watching a uh, basketball game the other day and uh, they showed this remarkable player. Um, and and somebody said, and it was LeBron James, you know, and they said, now he's unique. And and the the announcer said, well, actually, I don't think he's unique. And he was saying, um, unique means there's never been anybody like him. Mm. He said, I think he's he's rare. Mm. And I thought that was interesting, That's um, you know, yeah. uh, observation because um, what happens is that you know this this place is is not unique. Uh, in the sense that you know that leaders gather, right. but it is rare, like yep. you said, and I think it's uh, uh, it, to have the spiritual power, which is power from underneath, 
you know, uh, at the same in the same location as some sort of the power on top mm-hmm. is just uh, it's kind of a beautiful thing. And so I I think uh, that everyone listening should uh, well I would imagine they would be uh, share our excitement at the same time um, be intrigued by the fact that you know they they have a place. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I uh, want to thank you for listening. And again, um, if you have input, questions, or advice. You can always contact us at info at leadershipfoundations.org. So until next time. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Rick.